I believe that God's word is true. I believe that the entirety of the Bible holds universal foundational truth for all of us, but also believe that the same passage that holds universal truth can have a very timely revealed truth. I know this to be true when I read passages of scripture that speak to me because of the situation that I'm in at the moment. I know that I must be careful with this and I have to test each revelation with the whole counsel of scripture so as not to take things out of context and deceive myself. And, and, and as I think about that, it reminds me of a story that we've all heard. It's about the, the nun who was taking her first flight and she was scared to death. And she was sitting on the plane, and, and as the, the wheels left the tarmac, she began to work the rosary, you know, began to pray through the rosary, and her hands were shaking, and her, her voice was trembling, and the guy next to her looks over and sees what he thinks is a contradiction, uh, a, a nun that is absolutely scared out of her mind, and he says, sister, sister, don't you know that it says in the Bible that, that God is with us, you know, everywhere, even to the ends of the earth? And she said, Son, that's, that, 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 that's not the way the, the verse reads. And he said, really? He said, I thought it was. She said, she, she, she said, no, 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 no. No, the verse reads, lo, I am with you, even until the ends of the earth. We're at 30,000 feet, son. <laughs> so we have to be really careful. We all know that that. It says in the word of God that wherever we go, we can find the presence of God there. David said, if I descend into Sheol, you're, you're there. If I, if I ascend to the heavens, you're there. So, so, so the, the nun's uh, personal revelation was a little bit off as far as the rest of Scripture was concerned. So we have to really be careful about personal revelation. However, there are times in the midst of our circumstances that God will speak a word or we will see in Scripture a foundational truth. And, that ha- and, and, and at times, there are times that we get another truth that is as great, but maybe a little bit different because it has a personal meaning to us because of where we're at in our journey. The passage this morning holds these types of truth for me, and I believe both to be faithful to the heart of God in the entirety of Scripture. Matthew 5, 4 reads like this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This scripture is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in the part of the Sermon on the Mount we call the Beatitudes, or the blessings. And, and last week we looked at the blessing that said, blessed are the, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it, and it translates, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This is the passage that I want to share with you this morning as a review uh, that, that is the root of the first three steps of the 12-step method in AA if you're familiar with those, and I want to share those with you. The first step says something like this. We admitted that we were powerless, that our lives were unmanageable. The second step said that we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And the third step says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. In other words, when we admit that our answers don't work and we look to and depend on God for answers, our hands are empty enough that God can give us what we need and more. And this perspective change in realizing that we're poor in relationship with God, we realize that what he has to offer us makes us very rich and the poor become happy and we become so very aware of how undeserving we are. And then Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. 
I told the story last week about, um, about a man that stood up at annual conference uh, at the, in the United Methodist Church, and he made this comment. He said, he was introducing the next speaker, and he said, most of us, when we came to Jesus, uh, we weren't really that bad. We only needed a little bit of Jesus. But this guy that's coming to speak to you needed a whole lot of Jesus. And, and I think that's maybe a problem there. I think it's a problem when we think that we only need a little Jesus, and we don't, we don't realize our, our deep need for Jesus. And the reason why we don't is because we don't see the things the way that God does. We don't have God's perspective. You see, we're conduits. And I've heard preachers say that you can be a conduit. I'm, I'm here to tell you that we, it's not that we can be a conduit. We are conduits. The thing is, is we're a conduit of heaven on the earth or we're a conduit of hell. There is no in-between. There is no gray. There is no benign. There is, it only affects me. There's none of that. We are either conduits of heaven or conduits of hell. When we realize that serving ourselves is the cause of sickness, hatred, and destruction in the world. When we begin to see or or take personal responsibility for what we see globally. When we begin to see our depravity in the context of God's holiness and His goodness. Yeah, it's in that moment we mourn. When we look around at at the state of the world, you know, you can go in any barber shop or any um, hair uh, place for women or any restaurant, and you can hear people talk about how the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, whose fault is it? Mine. When we get to the place where we realize our depravity in the face of God's goodness, we grieve. And I think this is one of the reasons why the church doesn't have the camaraderie and the closeness that it once had is because we we don't want to talk about that. We don't. We want to talk about, we want to have the fellowship of the saved. We want to have the fellowship of those that are forgiven. But we don't want to talk about the fact that we're in the fellowship of the sinner and the fellowship of the damned. Did I really say that? Not my words. It's in the midst of realizing our state. It's in the midst of our lament of repentance. It's in the midst of our mourning of our our fallenness that we hear God say this to us. In John 3, 17, it says this. For God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believes not, is condemned already. We also hear God say in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died. We hear it in the voice of Jesus when he looks down from the cross and he says, God forgive them for they know not what they do. We hear it in 1 John 1, 9 where it says, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we hear it this morning as Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. When we truly realize our state, then we fully know the value of what Christ offers us. Let me say that again. When we truly realize our state, then we fully know the value of what Christ offers us. See, this is universal truth. 
that our righteousness is filthy rags. It's unhealthy. It's unclean. But God loves us and he's made a way for us. It's good news. Do you hear the heart of God toward you this morning? Listen, there's nothing more that the human heart wants more than somebody that absolutely knows everything about us and still loves us anyway. That's the cry of our heart. And God meets that cry with his love and his grace. And this morning we hear, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Now that's a lot, and I'd stop there, but I think there's another application of this truth. It's more revealed. It's because we live in a fallen world that mourning and grief is a part of our very existence. It's natural. It's not just the grief of our fallenness that I just talked about, but natural grief. You know, the kind that we all know. The heart-wrenching, soul-tearing, beyond pain of life. Because we all grieve, don't we? We all mourn. We all grieve deeply. We, gr- we mourn what was. We mourn what could have been. And we mourn what never was. There was a pastor that told a story about a young lady who was 12 years old. And she was called to her mother's deathbed. And as she watched the, the passing event... She turned from her mom's bed and she walked over to the window and she prayed this prayer. She said, God, but what of me? But what of me, God? And isn't that really all of our hearts cry when we deal with with natural mourning? When we deal with natural loss? Isn't that what we're really all feeling? God, what about me? How am I going to make it? How am I going to get through? How am I going to, how's this going to work out? She told her pastor later on, she said that she felt like she heard from God in the way that he spoke to her. And the voice that she heard said, trust me. Now listen, I know that sounds like a cliche, especially if you're up here this morning and you're going through mourning yourself. Trust me, yeah, I understand, I I, I get it. But listen, it's my prayer and my hope this morning that, that you hear that you, in the middle of your mourning, in the middle of your grief, that you can trust God. And I pray that it makes all the difference. Because the fact of the matter is, is it's not a question of whether or not mourning will come or whether or not grief will come or not. It's a matter of when. And we need to hear Jesus say, blessed are they who mourn, for they'll be comforted. We mourn what we've lost. If you've lost a loved one, if you've loved somebody and you've lost them to death, then you know what I'm talking about, the pain of loss. The, the, the pain of the loss is, is excruciating, but then there's the, the pain of the absence every day. And then there's the pain that wakes you up in the morning and puts you to bed at night and that, that is like a roller coaster all day long and it's very tangible, it hurts, and it's a feeling that you can't shake. That kind of mourning. We mourn what we lose, and rightfully so. But we don't just grieve what was, we grieve what never was. There are people that wanted to be parents, but for some reason couldn't. There are people who, whose marriages ended in ways that they didn't expect. There are people that, that got diagnoses that, that changed the way their life would, would be for the rest of their life. We grieve what never was. And we grieve ourselves. We grieve ourselves, don't we? 
Do you ever pass by the mirror and go, who was that? (laughs) The boyish good looks have faded. The girlish figure is no more. And if you sit around and think about it too much, all the hopes and, and thoughts of what you would accomplish may or may not have come true. And before you know it, you know, we're a legend in our own mind and we're grieving ourselves. And in all these instances, we end up crying out to God, but God, what about me? God, what about me? How am I going to make it through this? How am I going to live through this? How am I going to get by? What's God's response to our pain? Well, in John 14, 16, this is one of his responses. Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. The word there for comforter is parakletos. It's one who comes alongside to take hold with. That's what the word means. It's one who comes alongside to take hold with. And if you've ever been in mourning, if you've ever lost anything, if you've ever been grieving, that's what you want more than anything else. I can't do this by myself. I need somebody to come alongside me to take hold of this thing with me. Walk with me through it. And God says, I know you have that need. And I'm going to provide you with somebody. It's the Holy Spirit. In verse 26, it goes on to say, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. He shall bring things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So how does God comfort you? He brings to mind, he he has the Holy Spirit bring to mind the things that he shared with you. He speaks to your heart and your inner man. He encourages you, he builds you up. And he leads you into peace. That in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your chaos, that people just shake their head and say, I don't understand. Why would God do that? I'm going to tell you why. It's found in a little verse in John 11. It's one of the sweetest verses in all of Scripture. Jesus is beside the tomb of his very dear friend Lazarus. And it simply says this. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We have an advocate that knows our hurt He knows what it means to grieve. And I'm going to tell you, if you're here this morning and you're grieving something, I want you to hear this. Jesus wept, and it's okay for you to, too. It is. In fact, the Bible says this. It says that we're supposed to guard our hearts because from it comes the wellsprings of life. And I used to think that that meant that we should wall up our hearts and and become callous, but that's exactly the opposite of what it means. It means that we're supposed to do whatever it takes to keep our hearts soft and pliable And the way you do that is you express your heart to God. He can handle it. I said all this and and some of y'all are going, I I understand that God is good and that God loves me and he's provided. But how how do you get from mourning to blessed are those who mourn? How do you get from mourning the, the intense grief of it to happier those who mourn. It seems, like a, it seems like a contradiction. It seems like opposites to me. It seems my, my brain just can't go there. How in the world can I be happy 
and mourn also. Well, there's one thing I know about grief and that it sorts some things out. It really does. There's nothing like grief to let you know who your friends are or who your God is. My dad was a man's man. He worked a lot and I didn't have the relationship with him that I would have liked to have had, but I tell you what, I have this one very special memory. I was playing outside one day, and I think it was on the, the jungle gyms or the climbing gym, whatever you want to say, I, but, but I was climbing and my foot slipped, and when it did, the whole of my weight came down on my chin, and it caught the bar, and I'm talking about it shattered my chin. Blood was everywhere. I was crying And I remember the urgency of my dad snatching me up and carrying me bloody and crying in his arms to the car and into the hospital. It hurt. It hurt badly. The pain was real. But in that moment, even as a kid, I could sense a love for my dad that was never put into words. And the intimacy of that moment was never repeated until I was at his bed in his older age. I want to tell you something. My busted chin hurt, but I wouldn't take a million dollars for it. I wouldn't take a million dollars for feeling the feeling that I had when my dad scooped me up. I, I wouldn't take a million dollars for, for, for the feeling that I had when, when, when I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt he wanted to make my pain go away. He wanted to wipe my tears. He wanted to hold me close until I was whole and safe. I wouldn't take a million dollars for it. I'd do it all over again. And guess what? I don't think he would have either. I don't. Now, some of y'all are sitting here going, he's talking about a, a bruised chin. And I know it doesn't compare to what you're grieving over. I know it doesn't compare to your loss. I know that, that a few stitches doesn't even come close to a broken heart. And especially not a broken heart of, uh, after you've lived with somebody for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. I can't even begin to wrap my brain around that. But this I do know. I know the heart of God towards you. I know he wants to snatch you up and wipe every tear. He wants to hear every cry. And he wants to hold you close until you're safe and whole. And I want to tell you something. Once you experience God that way, you will be forever changed. You will. And I will tell you that when my dad did that for me, that was the one event That was the key to me understanding his heart toward me. It was the key that opened my eyes that allowed me to see all the other things that he had provided for me in my life. And I'll tell you, if you're grieving and you're walking with God through the midst of it, you will experience God in the very same way. You will see his heart toward you in a way that you never could have. And it will open your eyes to the blessings and how he's loved you down through the ages that you never saw. So that's the way those that mourn become happy. We encounter the incredible love of God in a way that we could never, ever imagine. So one verse, two truths. 
As we grieve our human inability and condition and all the consequences of it, God in his grace and mercy becomes our comfort. He makes a way for us to be saved from ourselves. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this place where things die, the incredible love of the Father is revealed as he gives us his spirit, as he speaks to us and gives us peace, as he snatches us up, wipes our tears, hears our cries, and holds us until we're safe and whole. Let's pray. Father God, I, I've divided these into two truths, and the fact of the matter is there's only one truth. And the truth is the fact that you're good, that you're good and that you're loving and that you're right and that you're holy and you're worthy to be praised. Father God, and in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our lack, in the midst of our inability, Father God, you have made a way. Father God, we are forever thankful. Father God, I thank you so much that, that you've told us in your word that if we cast our cares on you, that you'll receive them because you care for us. Father God, I thank you that, that in your word it tells that, that every little thing is important to you, that even the hairs of our head are, num are numbered, that even if a sparrow falls, you know about it. So, Father God, right now I'm keenly aware that there are people right here now that are grieving a lost life, lost hopes. I don't know. There's all kinds of things that folks have lost. Father God, I pray that they know by your Holy Spirit your comfort, your peace, that they hear in your word how much you love them and how much you care about them and how much you long to come alongside and take hold with them in this situation. Father God, thank you for loving us so extravagantly. Father, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.